Hello, guys. It's Eugene Torrance here again. Welcome to Stretch Podcast. I'm your host, and we're ready to do the doggone thing today. We got a special guest, my man, the one and only, the myth, Carlton. Welcome, Carlton. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Eugene. I like to call you Doc Gene. <laughs> hey, well, I appreciate that, man. Hey, 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 I'm, I do try to do the best I can. So, hey, we. Your trying is accomplishing a lot more than a lot of people's intentional efforts. So you keep trying. Hey, man, I do appreciate it. What's that statement? What you shoot for? I think once you shoot for the stars, shoot once the moon. I, it may be a, a bad uh, <laughs> bad phrase, bad, bad quote. I'm sorry. So, hey, I'm trying to but do no, the best you, you can. You, you land among the stars. If, if your goal is the moon and you fall short, at least you're hanging out with the stars. So I get it. You know what? I do appreciate you helping me out there. Hey. Man, hey, I'm, I appreciate you taking your time out for your day to uh, talk to us and share some, drop some knowledge with us. So, um, so, so, t- tell the people who you are. Tell, tell the little people a little about who you are. As, you know, what's your background? Okay, well, I'm Carlton. I like to say the fitness engineer. Uh, Eugene and I met at a active isolated stretching conference uh, clinic, and that's a part of what I do. You know, the reciprocal inhibition or the body's design, having opposing muscle groups, is how I've learned to train my clients and how I've learned to train myself and keep myself mobile. And because I graduated from a high school that was known for creating state champions for track and field, I think when I graduated, they had eight consecutive state titles. Um, I did not graduate as a state champion, so I had a hunger from high school i had a hunger from being a a kid to be a world-class athlete and since i did not accomplish that yet i'm still running that down and i've got 29 days i guess less than a month before i'm 50 and i'm still chasing that thing down really that's nice i I noticed that i've seen on your uh linkedin page that you have tried out for the olympia for the olympics yes um I was in college and I felt that if I would join the track team, I wouldn't have to worry about a coach. I had made a commitment in 2014 to train for the 2016 Olympics. And I was in grad school 2015 to 2016, uh, walked onto the track team. Wasn't the brightest ideal because they weren't a powerhouse for middle distance, but Hey, that, that was one less thing I had to worry about. I had a place to train. That's nice. And uh, some some folks to run with me. Uh, unfortunately, I had some injuries that hampered my performance. And so now I'm looking at Tokyo 2021. Man, congratulations, man. We're, we're rooting for you. But with those Thanks. injuries, what kind of injuries did you have? Uh, I had bilateral fractures or fractures in both my feet, uh, bilateral heel spurs, wow. scarring on both Achilles, and a traumatized left plantar fascia. Wow, man, I'm sorry to hear about that, man, but I know you're working through it because I guess with your qualifications, you're able to kind of uh, manipulate and work with your body to figure out how to solve those issues, right? Yes, and and when I fall short, I reach out to people like you, uh, Aaron Mattis, and, of course, some some professionals, medical professionals, you know, sports uh, medicine professionals or uh, what do you call them? The uh, osteopaths. Oh, osteopaths. Yeah, yeah. Th- those are yeah. people that uh that do things without drugs and everything. And uh, am I correct on that? Yes. No. Oh, okay. Okay. So when with those with those obstacles you come about dealing with, so since you have a vast knowledge of fitness, uh, what what is your passion? You know, what brought you to fitness and and health and and wellness? What what got you really caught up in and what you're what you what you're passionate about right now? You know, it transitioned in the very beginning. I wanted to be a world-class athlete. So as a child, I had a lot of athletic ambition, but I had a lot of absentee athleticism. Okay. Since I did not have what it took to pursue or to obtain those ambitions, that never died. And when I got into the Navy, uh, I was in an officer prep school mm-hmm. and we had to take a PT test every week. So I decided that I was going to get a perfect 300 point score. So that gave me something to shoot for. 
and of course we had PT every week, you know, a couple times a week before the test. Mm -hmm. And when they invited me to leave their prep school by way of academic disenrollment, I went on to communications training and was recruited for the run team. And it just kept growing from there. And then they saw, well, Hey, you're doing that. Well, I got air crew orders and got to my first duty station and found out about special seal support from a communication perspective. So I tried out for that, uh, became one of the first fitness instructors and then left that, uh, went to my second command and they mm-hmm. started asking me to help my shipmates. Wow. And I'm thinking, big. I still haven't got 300 points. This is a full-time job taking care of myself. And wow. So so- after some reluctance and some, some recommendations, I'll mm-hmm. say they, they could give me a direct order, but they persuaded me to, think beyond myself and so i started helping people on the remedial program okay and as they say the rest is history so so did you have any mentors in this in this whole uh journey you were on because like i said you just stated that you know you and i have the best but you had to get that that kind of help for someone to kind of help you move it in the direction that you were trying to do especially the work ethics that you were putting forth and and then you had the capability to go out and duplicate yourself and to help others uh, and to help them move forward in what they were trying to do. Well, you know, they say it, it, it takes a village to, to raise a child. Uh, my brother, <laughs> you know, he was an in-home hero to me. So okay. I didn't have to look far in the village, you know, my air quotes, to find uh, support. He excelled academically. He excelled athletically. So I wanted to be like my big brother. We are a year and a few to, you know, maybe a month and some change apart. That's close. So, yeah, I was always in tow, but I'd be sitting on the sideline. You heard a three-on-three or Mm -hmm. five-on-five full court. Yeah. Well, they would play five-on-four. And if the other team captain didn't know anything and was um, ill-informed enough to select me, they would play six-on-four because the captain that knew me was like, he'll be a better service to us on their team. Oh. We'll win <laughs> if he's on their team. I got you. That's funny. That's funny. Either I was sitting around not picked or I got picked last. And so I wanted to be like my brother. And I had to figure out how to become more marketable athletically. Okay. And I had to put in a lot of hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you speak about him, you got to. You got to have some big shoes to fill. And it seemed there wasn't anything. Whatever he tried to do, I mean, this guy, we grew up in the inner city. Mm-hmm. He played golf, you know, organized golf for the school. He was on a, he was in a summer tennis league. Uh, he ran in the pin relays when he was in high school. Uh, he, he played football. He, was, he did wrestling. Wow. Uh, he was an assistant coach or trainer for the volleyball team for the prep school uh, he attended. So... I mean, he was in a National Honor Society, National Math Society. I mean, mm-hmm. he built his own uh, speakers, made his own, he took a frame, built his own bicycle. He made this little contraption and said it was a lie detector test, but what? it was an open circuit. So when you push the button, it shocked mm-hmm. you. So you didn't like the fact that you got shocked, but you yeah. weren't going to ruin it for the next, you know, you weren't going to ruin your opportunity to look at an, another kid in the neighborhood sitting there shaking his finger. So wow. you just be quiet and wait for them to push the button and get shocked. So is, I, is, I your, had, is he real person? Is this a real person? It's like, it's yeah, like he, a myth. He, he's, he's a real person. I mean, he's a mechanical engineer uh, at this point. He lives up in Philly. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, He's still at it. I mean, his his garage looks like the old Yankee uh, workshop. Oh wow! Okay, is he Yankee fan or he's like, or he's just a figure? No, no, speech? no. The the uh, the old the old Yankee workshop was this uh, home. Like, what's that guy's name? Bob Villas. Okay, home, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm. improvement type things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the the big Delta band saws and the drill presses, and I mean, he I helped him finish his basement when we were in he lived in maryland mm-hmm. um, and he told the realtor that he was going to sell his house for four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. and she said you'd be lucky to get three hundred seventy-five thousand. but she didn't know what uh-huh. he was going to do and i helped him finish the basement wow. and sure enough he got four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. he yeah, but <laughs> dropped you... the ceiling and put it in the fireplace wow and... he shut it up didn't he <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that was his hobby. I mean, he had a full-time job as an engineer, and then on on his spare time, he's, like, <laughs> redoing his house. 
Oh wow! So man, man, so he this guy's pretty accomplished then. So hey, yeah. so 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 question. Now I've been reading over your stats, and you have a a book book. I I I, I wouldn't even exaggerate it of, of accomplishments. So from the Navy SEALs training, personal training. Uh, I think you did a special ops for the. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Special ops uh, endorsement, command endorsement, personal training. That that's not like a major accomplishment. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I typically say SOCOM, but for the people that don't know, I mean, Navy SEALs are the Navy's special operations program. Mm-hmm. You know, the Air Force, the Marines, and the Army, they all have special forces programs. And the United States Special Operations Command is the umbrella under which all of them exist. Wow. So I did some work for one of the executives over there and he was pleased with the work I did getting him ready for his um, wedding. Mm-hmm. Typically, you got the bride. So this groom was like, look, I, I need to be looking right when I walk down the aisle. And so he wrote an endorsement for uh, personal trainer of the year based wow. on his experience. That's really good. With that, me. That's major. That's major. That's, that's a really big deal. So, yeah, that's that's, you know, not everybody can say that they got an accomplishment like that. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful um, to the Most High for the life I've lived and what lies before me and the potential that I haven't tapped yet. Mm-hmm. You know what? That, that's always room for improvement for all of us. Growth growth is something that we're going to continue to experience until the day we die. They said if you stop learning, that means, that means it's time to go ahead and lay down. Yeah. <laughs> Hey. You you gonna practice that that long term social distance? You gonna be six feet underground? <laughs> yeah, you sure will. Like, hey, what happened to so and so? I don't know. He I guess I guess he finds. I guess he has somewhere to go. That's more important. <laughs> <laughs> he had an appointment. Yeah, that's right. Everybody everybody really interested in making an appointment. But this appointment he couldn't run it from. He he wanted to get there soon enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> You know, it's funny because people people ask me what makes me different from other fitness professionals. And they'll use the word personal trainer, and I'll try to explain to them, look, I'm, I'm a fitness engineer. And yeah. if I'm going to be obedient to my mom, you know, they say, if you got nothing good to say, don't say anything at all. Mm-hmm. I'm going to compare the personal trainer to a BMW 750 Li. Okay. You know, the industry rumor is that vehicle shares the same chassis as the Rolls Royce Ghost. Okay. So, same chassis, same industry. Mm -hmm. The personal trainer is the BMW. I'm the Rolls Royce Ghost. There's a lot more attention to detail. There's a lot higher customer service experience when when it comes to the Rolls Royce Ghost. And I don't go to YouTube or TikTok or whatever platform and see what what trend is popular and then just throw that at my clients. I look at my clients. Where are they? Mm -hmm. Number one, where do they want to go? What's the safest, most effective way to get them there? Now, I'm not focused on the quickest way because it's not always safe. It's not always practical. Mm -hmm. But to customize a program for an individual based on that individual's needs and goals is not something I see in the industry. So I don't want to be lumped into everyone else when their approach to servicing a customer is totally different than mine. They're concerned about revenue. Okay. I'm concerned about results, which will bring me revenue. I'll be compensated if I deliver on the promises that I've made to the client. And I'm only making promises based on what their goals are. Okay, so let, let me ask this question. So I spoke to a lot of trainers, and I know that a lot of people take trainers or coaches as you know, they're a dime a dozen the education level is not there anymore with trainers, uh, not to offend no one, but the education is not there. People are not a student of their craft. So where I'm at is the value of a coach or a trainer is being devalued and people do not take that, that service special, you know, uh, seriously because at one time a trainer was an extension of a physician because they were the one – they're the person that helps you get your body physically in another position, in a better position you're supposed to be in. So what do you see training now? What do you see coaches 
uh, engineer professionals, uh, what, what do you what do you see this 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 fitness era going right now, and and also too the respect for services rendered, because a lot of trainers are not getting the value, they're not getting what they're worth, and what what, what do you what do you think about that? Just speak on that if you don't mind. Well, IBIS, IBIS, World Report. Okay. They're anywhere from a couple thousand to five thousand dollars a report, mm-hmm. and so I began looking at the report for the personal training category in 2015, mm-hmm. and they made a forecast that there would be three hundred thousand. Well, 2016, the report came out at the you know the beginning of 2016 or the end of 2015. So they projected over the next four years up to 2020 that there will be 300,000 personal trainers wow. entering the industry. Now, when I read the first report, they were compensated at, I want to say $200. The highest compensation per session was $200. When, when I read the next report, it had dropped to $140. So they had already lost $60 in compensation per session. And with people coming in through these weekend or hour long certification processes mm-hmm. online where you only pay when you pass the test, mm-hmm. they just want to be in the game. So they say, Hey, I can train you for say $99 a month or $140 a month. I was being compensated at 160 per session before I had a degree. Okay. I was being compensated 160 per session. So then I finished my, uh, undergraduate degree in 2012. I finished my master's degree in 2016. I obtained a silver medal from USA track and field in 2016. Mm-hmm. And then I finished another master's degree in 2018. So I'm, I'm bringing the knowledge and the experience and the ability to apply the knowledge that I really don't see in the industry because you cited a couple of important things. Mm-hmm. The knowledge is not there because the barrier to entry has gotten so low. Yeah, it has. And until until we begin to carve out a portion or a category in the industry or mm-hmm. begin blazing a trail for another industry, well, we're going to see the continued dim- diminishing of services yeah. in the fitness industry because it's based on excitement instead yeah. of science. Cause you know what I've, like I said before, I've talked to other trainers. I've listened to other, other people talk about training. It's been so diluted and, and people uh, trainers have been taken for granted because I think a trainer is one of the most important people that, that that's for your body because a trainer is there to, I don't know if you're, you know, you follow me on this now. I know you agree with me, but, um, uh, the trainer is meant to keep your body. It's like a machine. So if you have an automobile or car, whatever you want to call it, or or you have a like an expensive computer, you want to maintenance it. You want to make sure it's fine tuned to the point where you're able to perform the best you can every single day. And that's what their training is for, to keep your body in a position to where you're functional every single day and you're working at the top of your game on a regular basis. Do you agree with me? Well, I not, I not, not only agree with you, I experienced that firsthand when you came down here and you took me through some movements. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that term is very important to you, is very foundational to you. So regardless of my experience, mm-hmm. my education, my qualifications, you were able to do in seconds what I could not do. You know, so I understand with my skill set that I bring to the table for my clients, there's only so much I can do for myself. Yeah. So I need, I need a fitness professional like you. So imagine the people who don't have my experience. Yes. They need someone to help them maintain. If they have good movement patterns, if they have a sound body, they need someone to help them maintain that. If they have a body that's, you know, a little under par, they need someone to help them return to, that standard, yeah, you know, that fitness standard that says, okay, now you can do the things you need to do on a daily basis without feeling like you've been beat up or been out to war. Yeah. And, and if people want to improve, if mm-hmm. they, if they want to enhance their performance because they're an athlete 
they definitely need someone like you. Yeah. So, so basically this goes into the question is, you know, what is movement to people? What is movement to the general public? Cause I don't think people understand what movement is. I think people just see, Oh, I'm getting up. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Or oh, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. There, it, it's, it take your body goes through a lot to actually get up, pick up a spoon, bend, squat. There's a whole lot at play just to do the simplest thing. And I think people take that for granted and, and don't understand why they have the the injuries, you know, the stuff they have, they're not losing weight, they're not doing this and that because they're taking their body for granted. So what 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 do you what is movement to you? Well, it's the the contraction and the releasing of, of muscle. It's a coordinated process because you have the, the these integrated systems, the the nervous system that's working, the muscular system, the mm-hmm. the uh, skeletal system, uh, the fascia. Is, is is contributing to that process of, of moving. Mm-hmm. And I look at it this way. You have an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Yeah. Which tells me that all three of those are connected. But I seldom see people shove a burger up their nose <laughs> to get it through their throat or pour, you know, wine down yeah. their ear to get it to their throat. That's true. Although they're all connected, they all have a specific function. Mm-hmm. And with the, the body, the fascia has a specific function. The muscles have a specific function. The nerves have a function. The skeletal system has a function. And the more people like you that understand that and it can help people move and help those systems communicate mm-hmm. effectively and synergistically so that movement becomes more optimal. Yeah. The quality of their life improves the, the performance. Uh, you think about it. If I can move without being preoccupied with not getting hurt mm-hmm. without being preoccupied with, Oh, I don't want to fall. That takes a great load off of me. I don't have to stress. Yeah. You know, so psychologically I'm benefiting twofold because I have the psychological benefit from actually moving and exercise, but I also mm-hmm. have that decreased burden on my nervous system or my, you know, my mental load because I'm not concerned about falling. I'm not concerned about, you know, hurt myself because I've learned how through your teaching to move optimally yeah, so, and how to maintain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and like I said, and, and, and that, you know, I feel the same way too, because you got your gait, you got connective tissues. You have, you know, uh, the locomotive. That's the, the movement patterns, the muscles, how they come about, how they adjust to certain situations. Your body adapts really fast, and and that takes a lot of energy to do that. And uh, just to just to sneeze, go to the bathroom. It's a lot going on. So so so, what do you think about? Why did we get injured then? So movement is one portion of it. And so why did we get injured? Why do you see people that take for granted their ability to get up? And some people can't get up. Why do you see do you think people take take a you know, take that for granted? Getting up every single day is something like whatever. And why do people get injured? Why do you think that uh, you know, just walking up a stair, you can blow your knee, uh, stumbling, grabbing a rail, you tear your peck? I think because you mentioned something earlier that people fail to consider when they look at their bodies. If they have an expensive computer, they're not going to use that computer as a serving tray if they're offering wines and beverages to company, mm-hmm. you know, people that are visiting their home. And if they see the body as a $45 million training interface, yeah, they would treat it differently. And so we see people who disregard their body. I mean, it's the only place they have to live until they check out of here. Yeah. But That's if true. they treat it like a temple instead of a woodshed, I think they would seek out more information because people will YouTube stuff if they got to figure out how to maximize their computer or how to – if it's stalling, mm-hmm. I got a Mac. So if that little pinwheel comes up, I pull up my phone, I go to YouTube, it's like, hey, what did I do? I got the pinwheel going. What's going on with my computer? So if people would be a little more responsive and a little more sensitive to their own bodies, yeah, they wouldn't get as injured. They wouldn't be – because the body's going to cheat or compensate or accommodate mm-hmm. if there's pain. So yeah. you're going to overload other joints and systems of the body because mm-hmm. you ha- you can't execute this movement pattern properly. And as far as getting up and sitting down, 
if they're not, I love the hip joint. <laughs> you got the gluteus maximus, minimus, medius. You got all this muscle around that joint. The deep and six. then I look at my knee. Mm-hmm. There is, I can tap on my knee. Mm-hmm. I can't just poke from the back and find my hip. You know, the, no, you can't. It, it, <laughs> I can't find the, the head of the femur that way. Yeah. So if we, if we load that muscle for what it's, or that area for what it's designed to do, mm-hmm. you know, through hip uh, flexion and extension, when people sit down, they would have less strain on the knee when they go up the steps. Yeah. I mean, they're moving forward. You talk about the locomotion. They haven't elevated their body and they're trying to go forward. So you have this shearing effect on the back of the kneecap. Yeah. So when they climb steps, when they sit down, when they stand up, if they, if they knew the pattern, mm-hmm. it would help decrease the injuries. There are people who look at me like I'm some genie when mm-hmm. they tell me my doctor said I shouldn't squat. And I immediately think of it's because you have a knee dominant. Wait, wait, what's hold on? What's the problem with squatting? I think you, you gotta you gotta use the bathroom. You gotta sit in a, you gotta exactly. sit in a chair. Squatting is something. It's, it's but it hurts them. So when I say okay, look, as you bend your knees, drive your hips back. You know, or better yet, start to drive your hips back and then lower your butt. Yeah. And when you get up, concentrate on driving your shoulders toward the ceiling. From drive your hips up. Yeah. Your body will go up instead of forward. When it starts going forward, we, we're asking the knees to extend yeah. with all that friction behind the kneecap or shearing behind the kneecap. Whereas if they concentrate on drive lifting the butt up instead of trying to go forward. Yeah. I, I tell I, I tell my I tell my people that if you're pushing if you're pushing from the heels, you you're driving your glutes. If you're pushing from the toes, the front of your mm-hmm. foot, you're driving yep. your knees. So that's that's my those way. Those cues. Of, yeah, those are my. Those, that's the way I look at it. And also, too, if you're not driving from your heels, you're driving from your foot. Most nine times ten, your knees are buckling in. That means your glutes are not firing, and it means you have tight hamstrings or you have Achilles or gastroc issues as well. You know, Doc Gene, when people tell you like they told me to dumb it down that has already occurred and that's why we see this increase in injuries that's why we see people who are frustrated you know they they can't lose weight because no sooner do they start a program a week into it they're injured yeah but see so 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 man just question so who i'm i I don't want to say whose fault is this but there there's somebody there there's that's not carrying their weight what what do you think that from from the trainer or is that placed on the actual client because remember, the client don't know it. They're coming for the training for help. Well, I typically ask people if they, you know, what has been their experience when they Google exercise program. Mm-hmm. And the last time I did, you got over a half a billion results in less than half a second. And mm-hmm. so the, the, the fitness professional should be able to help cut through the confusing and conflicting information. You know, when I was in grad school, there was some research that said A and some research that said B. And the professor said, look, <laughs> we can't just call it a wash because yeah. in some cases, these people got to do work. In some cases, these people got to do work. So what are the variables and the factors that produce success on each side of that argument? Okay. And the, pro- the professional has to look at the mm-hmm. individual and say, okay, I see all this information out here. Let's find out where you are and where you want to go. Okay. So, and then let's discuss. Okay. So question. So you said grad school. So uh, t- t- now what grad school did you go to? What kind of grad, what I, kind of program were you a part of? I don't know if you said it or not. Uh, I was com- working on a, ma- well, I completed a master's degree in exercise and nutrition science. Really? Okay. 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 So that gives you a, a professional expert. Uh, you know, facilitate on this situation. So that's actually good. And also, too, I think I recall you having a, a biomechanic. Yeah, training? I got a certifica- certification in biomechanics of resistance training. So I'm very, I key in a lot on the movements of okay. the exercises. Okay, okay. And and I, and I think, too, now I've been at gyms before work, working out and and I and I usually I work out myself, and I hate going to gyms because I I don't like seeing traders train. They're not student of their craft. And I and I give an example. I was at the gym working out, and I seen this trainer training his client, older gentleman, and he had him doing a lot of squats. 
But I noticed that every time he squat now, his knees will roll in and his ankles will roll in. The dorsiflator will roll in. I'm like, why would this guy do ankle work? Why would this guy do glute work? But he doesn't do it. I watched this gentleman train this client for six sessions doing the same exact thing. And I was like crying in tears watching him work with his client. I wanted to tell him, but I'm like, that's not my place. So it, it, it's, it's crazy uh, that a lot of trainers are not educated and they're not students of their craft. So that kind of bothers me. And it sends the wellness, it sends, it sends, it doesn't send a good sign, especially when you watching your counterparts uh, perform and they have these people uh, health or they're trusted in these people to help them get to where they want to go to. And I don't think that's right. Well, I think you're addressing that because we're fitness professionals that are collaborating. Yeah. We're conversating. We're, we're discussing. We're, we're honest enough. I won't say honest enough. We're just honest and we have some integrity and we're not pleased with what we see in our industry. And we're calling it out. We're saying, yeah. look, this is not right. These people are, they're investing their time, which they cannot get back. Yeah. They're investing their hard earned money yeah. and they're not getting the results nope. that they are pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's important for us to continue and those who want to serve their clients better will tune into podcasts like yours. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we all, we all have room for growth and I do too. And like I said, I'm always, I'm always learning. I read books. I'm always trying to learn something to kind of help me be able to help my clients out. I know you are too. And, and you know, that's a, that, that's, that's a rare occurrence in, in this, in this, in this fitness area that, uh, that we're that, coming about dealing with. That's why I call you Doc Gene. Cause I look at the conferences and you're going to, and I look at the books you're reading and I'm like, man, you know, it, it's refreshing for me because I can learn from talking to you. I can follow what yeah. you're saying and I can actually imp- imp- increase the number of tools in my bag. And I can also be more precautious about how I maintain myself. Yeah. 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 You know, so if, if we can get trainers to realize that we can elevate our industry by collaborating. Yeah. The yeah. more competition, the more we're going to deteriorate yeah. the public's image of our industry. It, it looks like a circus. Yeah, it does. It does. And, and like I said, we're not in competition. We should be able to collaborate with each other and just, let's call it the meeting of the minds and just, uh, and just be able to put together a plan to help everyone, help everyone out because there's no patent on anything. It's just information, how we utilize it, and, you know, going from there. And how do you help other people? How do you, like I said, my, my mission now is just to give, to give only. I don't want anything in return. Whatever is due to me will come by the universe, and that's what I'm looking for. Um, I just want to give. Giving is giving is something people are not really interested in doing no more. People want to monetize things, and like I said, it's not yours to to profit off of that way. It's yours to give, and if you don't give, what return do you expect from helping others? I would not consider myself a candidate for a Ph.D. in entrepreneurship, so I'm just going to cite Harvard. (laughs) You know, I read a Harvard report while Mm -hmm. I was in grad school for my second master's degree in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. and it said the purpose of a business is to serve a client. It's It's to serve a customer. Yep. The purpose of a business is not revenue. Yes, you need cash flow to keep your doors open, yeah. but the the analogy or the the adage that says a broke clock, even a broke clock, is correct twice a day. <laughs> you don't get two opportunities That's to nice. exploit a customer. That's nice. I like that one. You got you got one shot to begin nurturing a relationship yeah. for a long term customer or client. Mm-hmm. So once no no one likes to be sold. Everyone likes oh, to yeah. buy, but no one likes to be sold. I so you that. got them. Yeah. You got them. You got them. You sold them your service or your product. You failed to deliver, and you don't think that they're not going to share that experience with someone else. That right. neg- negative experience is going to impact your revenue. Yeah. So you, it, at, at some point, it's going to come back on gonna, you. Yeah, it's going to come back on you. Yeah, yeah, because you can't, you can, you can, you can take advantage of one person, but like I said, in the day when, when that, when you see that you're not really the person who you say you are, 
uh, it comes out special to the results of your clients. If you don't build that credibility and that belief and let them know, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for you only. So let's move forward with what we're doing and why we're here. So we can get you into the best shape of your life. So, and I think <laughs> I, since I've experienced that with you, yeah, you know, it, part of what has to happen is, is, is the delivery. Yeah, I know if I send someone to you that you're more than capable to help them achieve the goals they're pursuing. I mean, you have your own list of accomplishments. You have your own list of pro high profile clients that you've worked with mm -hmm. that pretty much say the proof is in your pudding. Yeah, you yeah. can deliver on the things you promised. Yeah, and when people experience that. They don't, they, you don't need a sales gimmick. Yeah. If you tell, when you talk, when you work with me and I was able to en engage my glutes mm -hmm. and as a runner, I need that. Yeah. I'm thinking, my goodness, you know, the work you did for my, for my thoracic spine, yeah. for me to be able to contract those muscles, the, that movement has to be coached. Otherwise I get into this gross motor movement and I'm over, you know, I'm overlooking the muscles that really need to be trained to really help with my posture, to really help with my thoracic uh, mobility. So mm -hmm. I, that was mind blowing to have the education, to have the experience, to, to have accomplished what I had accomplished, but to be on the table following your instruction to be like, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, 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 and I've, that's, been, I've been missing this. Yeah. And, and that's really important. So that, that's where it goes back to the knowledge and everything, because I guess so the audience knows uh, how I met how I met you, how I met Carlton. We were at an Aaron Mattis uh, workshop, uh, Stretching USA. Uh, I call it I, he's my mentor and uh, I've been in his classes and classes, been certified. I've been. I think I've took the class, man classes so many times. Ridiculous. We, we have a personal relationship now. I say, hey, Aaron, what's going on? You know, he knows me. I know him. Hey, you're back again. So I brought, you know, employees to the to the conference, you know, and, and they got trained and everything else. So they both, their whole family knows me. So, and that's how I met Carlton. That that class was pretty intense. Uh, you have to know anatomy. You have to know anatomy in that situation. It's not about stretching. It's not about that. It's about training your body to respond to things that you take, you no know, movements that you take for granted. Stretch is just a byproduct. It's just a movement. But you got to learn how to activate in certain muscles, how to move them to where they fire again. Um, you know, you know, it, it's it's a lot more to it than just, hey, I'm going to stretch somebody. I'm going to put your leg in the air. I'm going to move your hamstrings. Why, <laughs> why are you doing that? Why are you stretching the person's hamstring? What are you trying to accomplish? Do they have a back problem? Do they have hip problems? You know, you know, just to let y'all know how I met Carlton, but that was a very intense class. That's how I met him there. I pursued more of the program to learn more so I can teach it for myself and to educate my team members. So what, what, how are you still using that type of service or what, what, what are you doing? You know, when I started, I started my service to others beyond the Navy's remedial program uh -huh. with massage therapy. Okay. So when I went into massage therapy, of course, you're not getting out without anatomy and physiology. You have to understand anatomy and physiology. Mm -hmm. So when I got certified as a personal trainer or a physical fitness specialist, I had already been doing massage abroad for two years. Okay. So when I came back to the States or actually when I left Spain, I went to England. That's when I got my biomechanics or resistance training certification, which was more, uh, anatomy, kinesiology. Mm -hmm. So I've always had that appreciation for that knowledge. And yeah. so I've built my programs based on those fundamental principles. The body has dating pairs. I like to say, you know, your pecs are dating your rhomboids, huh. your biceps are dating oh, yeah. your biceps. Or biceps and triceps are dating pair, mm -hmm. your quads and your hamstrings. So I'm looking for balance. Mm -hmm. First thing I look at when I get a client, I realize, okay, you've totally neglected the backside of your body, not your behind, your lats, your traps, mm -hmm. your rhomboids, your glutes, your hamstrings, your soleus. Mm -hmm. Most people do some work on their calves, 
but yeah. they they have no idea where you know what that bent knee leg or uh, calf raises for. Yeah. So if they don't know, they may not do it. Some people do it because they saw someone do it. But I work on balancing the body, and those pairs guide me. You know, the person's the human anatomy is my blueprint and my roadmap. Yeah. When they show up and I see these imbalances, okay, you got these killer quads. Let's work on your hamstrings and your glutes. Yeah. You know, let's work on your anterior tib. You've done all this work on your calf, which is, you know, that meaty muscle we all know that hangs just below the knee. Mm -hmm. Let's work on the front of your shin. You know, let's create some balance. Let's improve your flexibility. And without that knowledge, you know, Aaron's class wouldn't have helped me. You know, I've seen people with his books and they're like, yeah, I don't understand what is he talking about? You yeah. know, so that knowledge is important to my education. That knowledge is important to me applying that education to serve my clients. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do. I do agree with you. So when I took Aaron's class, me personally, I've already had a, a background in a lot of different stuff because I know. There's no such thing. There's no one such fixer. There's a lot of components you put together. So like you said, you know, you have a training background and also till you have a background in TRX training too. And that's more or less a, uh, a, what's you call that? A stability, uh, movement. Is that what it's called? TRX? Suspension training. Yes. Yeah, suspension so training. Got, yeah. Okay. So the stabilization. Uh-huh. Because if you set your body in motion and you can't decelerate and control, you're going to put an awful lot of stress on the joints themselves because they're going to have to be brakes. They weren't designed to be brakes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were designed to be hinges, and, you know, to flex and to extend. So I look at TRX the same way I look at any other apparatus. What is the movement pattern for that exercise? So if we're looking at a chest press, it's going to be similar to a bench press. What's the path of motion? that the client has to execute mm -hmm. to engage the muscles that are going to perform that movement or that exercise. Now I've used TRX, man. That's a difficult piece of uh, <laughs> equipment. I, because there's yeah. no, there's no stability. You, you don't have anchors. Like if you do a bench press, the bench doesn't move. Ooh. So all you have to do is stabilize the bar. And if you've been bench pressing for more than, let's say a couple of months, you know how to stabilize the bar. Pretty much the bar doesn't move outside of that path down toward the, the sternum and then back up over your eyes. But when you grab a hold of that TRX, you've got to keep your hands from drifting apart. You've got to keep them kind of even. you got to keep your hips from sagging, mm -hmm. your belly button from sagging forward and loading your lumbar. There is a lot more stabilization required yep just to get set up, let alone to keep maintain that stability while you're moving through, say, a chest press or a lat row. Yeah. So, and, and like I said, and, and you're, you're correct, because I've used a TRX before, and I noticed that I was engaging muscles. Now, when you do a bench press, you don't really engage the pec properly because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a barbaric movement. You're pushing weight down in there, one-dimensional movement. Normally, mm -hmm. when you actually – if you're doing something like actually like picking up a box, it takes your pecs to be involved picking up a box. So you bend your legs, fire your glutes, and you hold the bar, the box neck close to your body, and you walk with it. So your chest and your shoulders has to be involved. That TRX movement, man, I did some uh, did some chest press with that incline and flat bench, and and it and it, and it kind of calls out your vulnerable parts. The muscles do not fire. Yes. That movement will call you out, call you whatever you want to call you. And, and make you make you look like yeah, you manhandle you. Yeah, and, and the TRX, I, I think it's to me. I may be wrong. I think it's similar to the band because I do a lot of band movements. And where you're weak at, because the band is constant tension. The TRX, I do notice there's tension there, but the the tension changes hands when you stop the movement. Now with the band, it doesn't. It, it continues firing. Ooh. So you may be. I may be wrong. So you correct me on this. No, no, no. You, you, you've touched on great points because you have a variable uh, resistance with the band. So the further you stretch a band, the more intensity you can or the more load you can create 
with your TRX, when you change directions, you have ins- you have a quadrupling of the force. Okay. Because you have to stop the movement and then redirect the movement and then reinitiate movement. Okay. So you you've got a, you've got a a great uh, force production going on with the ch- you know when you change from allowing the body to drop backwards. Say you're doing a low row. Mm-hmm. And then now you want to start pulling your body forward. Yeah. With your band, I've seen you do push-ups on the band. Like you've got that band across uh, a power cage, and you're doing push-ups, and you're having to <laughs> stabilize. Yeah, stabilize as you're letting your body lower and then press the weight. What I found with doing my work on the TRX, when I go back to uh, an apparatus like a hammer strength press, I've never flat benched 300 pounds. Mm -hmm. I incline bench more than 300 pounds after using the TRX because all the force that I have to generate to stabilize myself Mm -hmm. on the TRX generates movement of the apparatus when I sit on the hammer strength Mm -hmm. chest press machine. So I think it's about as versatile as you can get because you can throw it in your bag and take it with you. Yeah, you, you, know, can. you can use it anywhere and it's highly unlikely that they're going to let you check a hammer strength <laughs> machine on a plane yeah, or a train or a bus, you know? So the, the ability to maintain your workout when you're away. Now, even if you're a bodybuilder mm-hmm. and you want to overload in the off season, most of them weigh more than they're going to weigh on stage. Yeah. So you've got to push extra weight. So if you go from a regular chest press to a single arm chest press in the TRX, your chest is going to grow. Yeah. I've seen it myself, you know, so you can still create that overload to create some hypertrophy. It's just that you're going to have, I say, um, it's a more, it's a cleaner return on your investment of time. Yeah. So, so question. So, since you know your background is fitness, you, I know you're. Uh, are you? I know you're training. Are you still training? Yes. Okay. Uh, so if I come to you, I weigh you know whatever weight. I'm trying to get in shape again. What is? And I know you have a protocol that you go through when you when you picking up when you working with new clients. Tell tell us about that and what kind of clients do you like taking on and you know and tell me why. Okay, the clients. When they come, what I do is I sit down and I ask them questions. I would say I talk with them, but I want to hear what their experience has been, what their goals are, what type of challenges they currently have. And I'm starting to put together a plan in my head as they're talking to me. And most of them have tried the cardio is king approach. And I'm thinking, it's a great way to train your cardiovascular system, but Mm -hmm. it's not the best way to change your body composition. Okay. I haven't met a Kenyan running champion that was obese as a kid. (laughs) He was skinny from the jump, you know? Mm -hmm. So if you think you're going to run and end up looking like some of these elite athletes, you got another thing coming. They didn't get that body composition from running. Mm -hmm. And so, we set them up for success by giving them resistance training. Uh, I'll start with 30 seconds and then we'll transition to the next exercise. So as they progress, I'll increase from 30 to say 45 seconds from 45 to 50, maybe from 50 to a minute. And at that point they have the ability to make it through the workout with very little rest. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll switch them to a single arm mode, depending on what their goal is. If mm-hmm. they just want more endurance, well, then we'll kind of combine exercises together. So maybe they'll do a squat and a low row on the TRX. Okay. Or maybe they'll do a cable row and a dumbbell press. So okay. I can either work the muscles in sequence. So there's something called sequential opposition opposition system okay meaning we start with a major mover so Mm -hmm. say we start with your lats well if you're doing pull-ups then your next exercise is going to be a press so your chest press or your your dumbbell press 
and then we'll drop to the legs. So you'll do a hamstring exercise and then a quad exercise. Okay. And then the simultaneous opposition system is where we get the opposing muscle groups working at the same time. So okay. if I'm working your chest on a cable press, mm-hmm. we're doing a cable high row. Okay. You know, if we're doing um, your bicep curl, I'm going to give you a dumbbell and I'm going to give you a cable. So you're going to do a tricep extension and a dumbbell curl at the same time. Okay. Okay. So let me ask this, let me ask this question. So, so if I could, now are, are you doing assessments before you start your training sessions to basically know where out, where your client's at and what they're, where they at, where we started from. So you have a center, uh, like a reference guide of where, what, what your progress looked like to kind of know, you know, uh, where you're going to and what's the, and how long it would take to get there and maybe a guesstimation. I don't know if that's right. Well, I get, I get an over, view of an assessment when they walk in you know okay. I'm looking at how they how their carriage is how their gait is and then for me before they do anything um as far as resistance training is concerned i'll take them through an ais protocol so i'm looking at their range of motion there i'm looking at uh, any inhibitions they have at their joints mm-hmm. and i couple that with what they've told me as far as their challenges with their knees or their neck or their ankle mm-hmm. And that's the extent of my um, assessment. Now, I, I did do some courses in functional movement screening. Uh, and in some cases, I'm like, people, they're, they're, it's, I think for the average person, and when I say average, mm-hmm. their fitness level is well below average. Yeah. It's very difficult for them to even get in a position to try to execute some of those movements. I think when it comes to athletes, it's different. Yeah. But when you got the general population that has been sedentary for 10 to 15 to 20 years to ask them to do some of these, I was like, man, I can't, I don't even feel comfortable with this, with the stress and pressure is going to create on some of my joints to try these exercises. Oh um, yeah. For non-movement. Yeah. For non-movement and for such a long time. Yes. Okay. So that would be the extent of my assessment. Okay. Okay. Well, I, like I said, you, it doesn't sound bad at all because I like I think a lot of people are uneducated about their bodies and the reason why they have the problems that they're having, you know. And I think everybody should consult someone before they get out there and start doing their own thing. I don't think cardio is a king. I think cardio is what it is. I think cardio is. I, I don't like cardio. I you know cardio people are like oh you gotta do cardio you gotta do cardio, but all cardio does is burn off what you just ate a couple minutes ago, and that's no more than that. And you're not technically really burning, any, losing any weight off of cardio. What do you What do you think about that? I totally agree, because your body composition is is it's more it's worse off than it was before you started, because you are asking it to do something that doesn't require extra weight. Yeah. So you're the, and, and I don't know that that's the best way to put it, What's that? but they're not they're not preserving or building muscle tissue. Oh, muscle no. tissue is active. Yeah. So the less muscle you have, and after age 25, the body starts losing muscle mass every year. So if you're not doing something to maintain that, which would be resistance training, mm-hmm. your metabolism is getting slower and slower. So if you couple cardio with less calories, you're slowing your metabolism down even further. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I know a lot of people use, like women say, hey, I don't want to work out. I don't want to get buff. But you, a woman needs a resistance training. They need resistance training. They need to build muscle. They need to firm and firm the body. Cardio does not help no woman lose no weight. It does not. Women are scared to, oh, I want to do this. I think TRX and band work would be, I think would be ideal for that individual that doesn't want to, what's the word for it? They feel uncomfortable about, what you call it, stimulating the muscle, stimulating the body? Well, when 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 you look at, addressing that fear uh-huh. and you asked him, okay, well, let's just try it. I mean, one lady lost 11 pounds in five sessions. Now, the way I train my clients, there's a cardio component to it mm-hmm. because cardiovascular, traditional cardiovascular training pumps large volumes of blood to the lungs and the legs. Mm-hmm. So if you're running or, you know, power walking, but what I do is the body is pumping large volumes of blood all over because once you finish your laps, you're going into a 
chest press. And once you okay. finish that chest press, you're going into a high row. Once you finish that high row, you're going into a tricep exercise. So it's going flexion, extension, flex, push, pull, however you want to term it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my best not to overload. To me, it doesn't make sense to go from uh, a, a, a lat row to a curl. Because yeah. the curls were secondary movers in that lat row. Mm-hmm. So if I go to the chest, I don't want to go to a tricep exercise because the triceps were secondary mm-hmm. movers in the chest press. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm structuring it so that the group I'm working is stretching out the group I just finished. Okay. So the, the rest they get is an active rest. When you're doing the high row, your chest is is getting stretched out. Oh yeah, yeah. So when you do your tricep extension. Well, so, okay, let's, let's follow the sequence. So they do a high row Mm -hmm. to stretch out the chest. So the high row still has some elbow flexion. So now I'm going to go into your tricep extension, which has elbow extension, which is stretching the bicep out a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then when we go into your bicep curl, now the flexion of your bicep is held stretching out your tricep. Yeah. So that sequence, one exercise after the other, I've had, I've had clients doing low rows or squat rows and they're breathing like a train <laughs> oh, they're not the running yeah cardiovascular yeah there. but they're pumping blood i mean they, yeah. we you don't have rest there so i think that's a better way to create a cardio environment from an anaerobic perspective okay you, you know what i train the same way too uh, i learned this from my pops uh i we don't i take in the morning maybe about I want to say a 30 second break between movements. So if I can, I always do the max amount I can do and then take myself a 30 minute, 30 second break, 30 second break. And I'll go to the next movement again. And a lot of people cannot handle that pace. So I think that's what you're saying. Cause it, it takes a lot of oxygen, red blood, it increases your red blood cells, white blood cells too. And to train at that rate, because you're requiring your body to work faster and to adjust to the movement and then do the same thing again. And you have to do it at even, at even more of a higher intensity. So you're doing 25 pounds next set. You got to do 55, 50 pounds and 75 pounds. So you study increasing your rep, your weight and your time under tension to kind of help. Oh, the king of touch time under tension. Go ahead. Doc G. Yeah. So that, that's the way I do it. And I'm always about pushing the limits, you know, you know, that, that's that's the only way I know to train my body. That's that's where I've learned how to do it. Well, I think if people would just assess what they do when they go in the gym, yeah, they would tell you, "Well, Gene, that's how I work out." But if you watch them, they got to stop and take a picture for Snapchat or shoot a <laughs> video for TikTok. Yeah. Then they got to readjust their playlist, and then they got to text somebody. You know, so they don't. Log, they don't have rest logged into their workout. They probably don't even have a workout, but if say they have a journal, they're mm-hmm. writing down, I did, you know, a, I did three sets of these and then I went to do four sets of this. Well, that's the only thing that's written, but what you didn't write is you talked at the, at the, you know, while you were refilling your water bottle for mm-hmm. 10 minutes with this person. And then you came back and you asked the person if you could work in and you end up talking to that person. And then you went to your phone so you could take a selfie with this person because you yeah. realize that that, you know, it's, there's all <laughs> type of rest in there yeah. that takes away from their workout. And they say, man, I'd be spending hours in the gym. I'd be going in. Yeah. Oh, no, called, you'd be wasting time. It's called, it's called, it's called, I'll call them gym groupies. <laughs> gym groupies. Yeah. <laughs> they want to say they were somewhere where they weren't and, and they wasn't doing the work they said they put in. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a hangout you know yeah it isn't it isn't it's crazy man well man uh it, it's been it's been really really great talking to you i uh, you know and i hope my audience out there uh enjoyed our conversation so hey if anybody is interested in your service he's in florida tampa could you give me some information about how, how they can get a hold to you Well, I'll say this, you know, in light of what is going on now with this social distancing and people want to say, hey, we can train virtually and this, that and the other. You know, I've been doing in-home training since 2008. I retired in 2008. (laughs) You know, I started going to people's home shortly after I retired, you know, Mm -hmm. so I understand how to go into a person's home and train. I understand how to use a device. So I've had clients uh, earlier this morning. I had Mm -hmm. a lady out in 
Oregon. Okay. You know, so I'm taking her through her TRX session, and she has, I told her, you know, I'm kind of facetious. I say, I think I hold you back. She uh-huh. said, no, I've stuck to the program that you gave me two years ago. Mm-hmm. And when she moves in the phone, I can see the definition in her triceps. I can see the separation really? in her biceps and her triceps when she's okay. doing the curls and the rows and things. So uh, they can reach me via LinkedIn, via um, Facebook by Carlton Meadows, which is Carlton with a K. And Meadows is just like the Meadows in the field. So M-E-A-D-O-W-S. Uh, they can text me at 813-947-3489. And then they can find me on Instagram at the Carlton. That's F-I-T-Z. And then Carlton with a K. Okay, guys. Hey, this guy's an expert. He knows a lot. He's been around for a long time. Uh, he has accomplishments out the book that I can't pronounce them. I can't recite them all. So, hey, if you guys in Tampa area uh, or whatever, you reach out to this man, give him, show him some love, and I'm sure he'll be able to help you achieve your goals. So, until next time, Carlton, I appreciate you for being here. Uh, much love. I hope we have you on again because, like I said, we had a great time, and I look forward to having another conversation with you again. Well, I, I appreciate a treasured colleague such as yourself, you know, having time to talk with you and, and knowing, you know, that I'm growing from the exposure and, and the communication I have with you. So thank you for contributing to my professional development and give me an opportunity to chat with your audience. Okay. Well, hey, like I said, I appreciate you again. Eugene Torrance Stretch Podcast. We're signing out. Stay tuned. All righty. Bye.